0: Welcome, everybody, to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go. You made it to church. It's sometimes a chore to make it to church, so you did it. Way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online around the country and world. We know that this is our connection to you and you to us, so always welcome to you, wherever you might be, watching a computer, TV screen. Glad to have you here as well. Uh, We are in a series called I Believe in God, But... And today's message is I Believe in God, But... I Don't Need the Church... Obviously, those of you who are at one of our campuses don't believe that. You're here. But over the years, certain people have said to me, Bob, I believe in God, but why do I need church? I can worship God on my deer stand, in my duck blind, you know, on the golf course, back deck with my coffee, a newspaper. And while we can worship God in those places, I wonder oftentimes, I wonder if actually people do worship God in those places. Or I'll invite somebody to church and they'll say, I went to church, Bob. I went to church growing up. It did nothing for me. It was boring. It was irrelevant. So I never went back. And gang, it breaks my heart when I hear that, how some people's experience with church was negative or hurtful. You know, I bet we could go around the room at all campuses today and almost all of us would tell of a time when a church disappointed us or maybe even hurt us in some way. In some extreme cases, there was even abuse or a scandal. And don't even get me going on what some churches do that are just plain kooky. You know, I mean, I don't know what it is, but put some people behind a microphone in a church and the weird meter just goes off the charts. It's just unbelievable. And add to that how some churches take the most compelling book on the planet, the Bible, and bore people with it. I mean, no wonder some people say, you know, I believe in God, but man, I don't need the church. Yet in spite of all of its flaws, the church... Is God's plan A to redeem this tough world? And there is no plan B. I mean, this is it. Jesus said, in fact, He said in the Gospels, I will build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. He's saying, I'm going to build this church. I'm going to build my church. No power on earth or force of darkness will be able to defeat it because, gang, when the church is working right, when it's led by strong leaders and taught by gifted teachers and resourced by an army of devoted uh, people, all using their gifts and abilities to lead others to Christ, there's nothing like it on the planet. In fact, so central to the ch- is the church to God's plan that Ephesians 5 says that Jesus sacrificed himself and died for the church. Well, long before Eagle Brook uh, was in my Life. I led a small country church in fallen Wisconsin, just a small little town in Wisconsin. Some of you know where that is. I was 26 years old, fresh out of seminary, had no idea how to lead anything. But in five years we were there, we grew from 60 people, 60 people, to 230. And that was miraculous because, again, I had no idea what I was doing. But one hot Sunday morning in July, it was already in the 90s, really a hot, humid Sunday morning. Our church didn't have air conditioning, so it was going to be just a terrible, Brutal morning in church, but what made it a thousand times worse was someone had hit a skunk and it was lying in the middle of the road, 20 feet from the entrance of our church. and this skunk was huge, split open, bloated, ripe as can be. The smell was awful, and it filled the entire church. Our windows were here's a shot of our church. That skunk was lying just next to the walkway, right in the middle of that you know walkway. again, 20 yards from the entrance of our church. And a few minutes after I arrived, the chairman of our church, Laverne Sandberg, showed up and I said, Laverne, what are we gonna do? He said, I don't know. Laverne was a dairy farmer, so he was used to foul smells, so I said, Laverne, how about you? He said, no way, I'm not getting near that thing. He said, maybe we should cancel church. I said, we can't cancel church, it's too late for that. Maybe God will send a wind and blow the smell toward the Lutheran church a half mile down the road. People started coming, and the first thing that greeted them at our church was this huge skunk right in the middle of the road. You literally had to drive around it to get in the parking lot. People walked into church with the most sour look. I can imagine this, walking into church, sour look on their faces. There was nothing we could do. But there was a guy who started coming to our church, uh, whose name was Rod, and Rod, Rod struggled in life, really struggled. So he always came five minutes late because he didn't feel like he fit in. And then he always left right away when the service was done. And on this day, though, I noticed that Rod was 15 minutes late. I also noticed that as the service progressed, this awful, terrible smell of skunk began to dissipate a little. I later learned that Rod came to church that day and did what nobody else would do. He saw that same skunk everybody else saw. But instead of driving around it, he took a shovel out of his trunk, scraped up that bloody animal off the road and put it into the trunk of his car. Unbelievable. That morning, Rod Flodine, I'm gonna give you props, sacrificed himself for our little country church and then he drove off and tossed it in the dumpster of the Lutheran church. No, I don't know if he did that. He probably didn't do that. That's just, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him though. Anyway, a couple of days later, I called him. I call him to thank him, and he started crying on the phone. He said, Bob, that it's been through this church. I began trusting Christ. I stopped drinking. My marriage is improving. For the first time in a long time, I feel happy. And it's all because of finding Jesus in this church. He said, removing that skunk was the least I could do (laughs) because I love this church. He was willing to give himself up for it. The Bible says Jesus gave himself up for the church. He died for the church, but why? Well, all throughout the New Testament, the church is called, very interesting phrase, it's called the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And that every believer is a vital part of this body of Christ, just like a physical human body has all kinds of, you know, parts to it, you know, all kinds of different parts. The Bible's saying every believer is a part of the body of Christ, important to the church, called the church. In fact, 1 Corinthians says, now you, all of you who are a part of this church and a believer, you are the body of Christ, and here it is, each one. Each one of you is a necessary part of this body of Christ. It means when Jesus left this planet, went back to heaven, the believers who were gathered together became the physical presence of Jesus on earth, the living, breathing, tangible body of Christ on earth. All throughout the New Testament, the church is called the body of Christ, the presence of Christ. So when you come here, You're not just attending church. You're a part of the body of Christ that God is using to affect those around you and those outside our walls. A few months ago, I met a bunch of people up front after a service, but off to the side, I saw a man standing alone waiting to see me. He's a big guy, mid-20s, tattoos up around his neck, which is fine for him. Walked over to him, and he just started bawling, started sobbing. Finally, he said these words to me. He says, I've never been to church in my entire life, never, not once in my life. But last Christmas, I had some hard losses, and a friend invited me to this church, so I came and I accepted Christ here, and I wonder if it's okay if I get baptized. He said, I can't explain it, but every time I'm here, I feel so good I feel alive, and when the music starts, I just start crying, and I don't know why, and when you guys teach, I just soak it in. He finally said, I've had a lot of dirt in my life, a lot of dirt, and I don't know what's happening to me. I just know that my life is changing, but I don't understand the Bible when I read it. Can I get some help with that? talked a little more, prayed with him, and We hear stories like that every single week, and people can't describe what's happening to them. They don't understand. Big tough guys who just start crying, and tough women too, who start crying and confessing. And what's happening, here's what's happening. They've walked into the presence of Jesus, but they don't realize it. They're surrounded by the body of Christ called the church, and it's so powerful to them, they don't know how to describe it. I'm telling you, that only happens, by the way, in the context of a church. These things don't happen in a bar or a sporting event or a one-on-one conversation because when the body of Christ, I'm telling you, when the body of Christ is gathered together, there is a power, there's a dynamic that God uses that can't be duplicated any other way. That's why I tell dads especially, moms too, but dads, lead your families to church. It's easy. Any dad can do this. You don't, know how, you don't have to know how to pray. You don't have to know how to read the Bible. Just lead your kids to church. And God will speak to them in a way that no other thing can do it for them, not even you. Just get them here. Don't bail on this. I applaud you dads and you moms who are leading your families to church. Acts chapter two says the believers devoted themselves to this first believers in Acts chapter 2, to teaching. They devoted themselves to getting around good teaching. Fellowship means togetherness. They got together and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe. And look what happened. The Lord added to their number. Every single day, people were becoming Christians, those who were being saved. It was the gathered body, body of Christ. It wasn't a one-on-one conversation. Very difficult to lead someone to Christ one-on-one. Very difficult. But get them in a church setting like this that people are drawn to and awed by and saved by. So when somebody says to me, hey, I believe in God, but I don't need the church. What they're saying is I believe in God, but I'm not gonna be a part of the body of Christ that God is using to redeem people. And I'm like, I don't get that. I don't get it. But let me give you a couple other reasons why the church is so important, why Jesus died for the church. And the first one is this. You can find your blue shirt here. A few years ago, I told you about Steve Spiloff, who was was on the board with me at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. I'm still on the board there. But uh, Steve always picked me up at the airport when I flew down for the meeting. And he's a great guy. He's a runner. And he told me about a 26-mile race he had to run to qualify for the Boston Marathon, a lifelong dream of his. Steve was 50 at the time, had to run under three hours and 30 minutes to qualify, and he said this. He said, Bob, I was on pace until mile 21 where I hit the proverbial wall that defeated me four times before. My legs were dead. My pace fell off. But then a guy in a blue shirt passed by me, not fast but steady, visually stuck in front of me. So I locked onto him and let his pace dictate mine. I was just mentally spent, so I just latched onto Blue Shirt and let him pull me along. 45 minutes later, I crossed the finish line with a grimace, my hands on my knees, and I looked at my watch. Three hours, 25 minutes, 21 seconds, I had made it. I collapsed on a nearby bench, says Steve, when I looked up and I saw Blue Shirt. I said, hey, Blue Shirt. He looked confused as I stumbled toward him, but I said, thank you. Thank you for pulling me through miles 21 through 25. I would not have made it without you. Blue shirt smiled back and said, thank you for pulling me through miles 17 through 21. I wouldn't have made it if you hadn't pulled me through. Steve said it was a brief encounter that reminded him of the Christian life. You're cruising along steady and confident but then you hit a wall that triggers all these feelings of insecurity and defeat, but then a blue shirt comes along. Maybe it's a friend, spouse, brother, sister, maybe some of you don't even know who pulls you toward the finish line. And here's the question I want to ask all of you, who's your blue shirt? Come on. Who's running in the same spiritual direction as you are who picks you up and carries you through when the tough times hit your life. And here's another question. Who are you being a blue shirt to? Who's watching your life and counting on you and depending on you to stay strong in the faith? Who's depending on you? Are you leading the way? Are you dropping the ball? Romans 12:5. love this verse. Romans 12, 5. Since we all are one body in Christ, we belong. We belong to each other. It means if you're a believer and this is your church, we're supposed to be blue shirts for each other. I'm here for you. You're here for me. Just like each of my fingers showed up today and played a role on my hand. I'm glad they did. Each believer has a role to play in the body of Christ. Maybe your role is to support someone, encourage someone, pray for someone, smile at someone. Anybody can do that. Love somebody and you know, just be there. We don't just show up, rate the service, and go home. It says since we are all one body in Christ, we actually belong to each other. Gang, the truth is I need you. My kids need you. My grandkids need you, and I hope in some way you need me and us. Every single one of my blue shirt friends, by the way, are in this church. Every single one of them. People who pray for me, encourage me, help me become the man I am. Blue shirts like Bill, Oz, Trent. Ray, Dean, Al, Fred, and so many others, plus a number of staff who aren't just colleagues to me, but they are blue-shirt friends who are with me, heart and soul. So I want to ask you again, who is your blue shirt? Who is with you? Heart and soul. And here's the truth about some of you. You don't even know. And the reason you don't know is because You're not here enough, or you're not invested enough. You're busy with life, and I get it, but who's going to be there for you when you crash, or your child tanks, or your marriage takes a dive, or you just need somebody to talk to? You cannot microwave friendships. It takes time in investment, more than anything, gang, I'm telling you, it's been my blue shirt friends in this church, fellow believers who've carried me through and made me the man who I am. We belong to each other. And if you're sitting here saying, I don't have a blue shirt, I'm a little bit lonely, I'm kind of a loner, loner, I'll tell you what, gang, get after it. The two best ways, small groups in our church, get after it. I know it's risky, it takes time. But what are you gonna do? Small groups or volunteer, best way to get to know people in this church. Some of you have some work to do personally as well. See a counselor and get some stuff squared away so that you can become a part of other people's lives, okay? Get after it. Second reason Jesus said this church is so important. He said, look, nothing else has the power to change a human life. Jesus said, I will build my, here's the word, church. I will build my church. And nothing will stand against it. Why didn't he say, I will build a business? I will build a government, military, school, or sports team. Why didn't he say that? I mean, of all the things Jesus could have built, he said, I came for the specific reason to build the church. Why? Because none of those other things I just listed can transform a human life. I mean, can government start a program that will transform a human heart? No. Can Congress pass a law that'll stop sexual abuse? Good luck. Can a business save a kid? Can a business save a kid from delinquency whose father bailed and whose mother's addicted? I mean, what's it gonna take for people to stay married, raise their kids, quit abusing drugs, stop breaking laws, live morally, and treat people with honesty and respect? Washington can spe- uh, you know, pass laws and spend a bunch of money but for all its power, it cannot save a single marriage. It cannot raise a kid. Neither, by the way, can a golf membership, season tickets, or your kid's soccer team. None, nothing wrong with any of that. I do all that stuff. But none of those things will point your kids to faith in Christ and keep them from falling off the rails. I I bring this up, and I want to be loving here, but we run into people all the time who say, yeah, I I attend church, but not as much as I should. And oftentimes what that means is I haven't been in church in six months. We hear it all the time. We bump into people, oh, I know you. I I go to your church. Well, when's the last time you've been there? Four months. Really? How's it going? And it's like, I don't know how you do that. It's parents who put a higher value on youth sports and entertainment than going to church and then wonder why their soul feels dead or why their kids become entitled, defiant, and addicted. Parents, you gotta fight for this. And so many of you are. I'm so proud of the parents who put this as a priority in your life. Way to go, lead the way, and it is a battle. Because soccer practice is on Sunday mornings now, and it drives me crazy. drives It's 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 immoral, in my view, that youth sports are going on Sunday mornings. Used to be sacred. Now you can't get away from it. You got to fight for it. That's why, by the way, we have Saturday night services, Sunday morning services, and now Sunday afternoon and evening services are Blaine and Spring Lake Park campuses, so you can come to church. There's no excuse. And then Wednesday nights, especially for students. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church because nothing else can counter the wave of distractions that pull at us every single day. And here's the payoff. Last month was my birthday, and so my son and his wife invited my wife and me over to their house for a birthday dinner. I think it's the first time it's ever happened. Walked into their beautiful home, and Dave was preparing the food, my son. So I said, what are we having? He said, soup and a chicken. That's just how he said it. Soup and a chicken. I thought, that doesn't sound very good. Why not ribs and a steak? That's what I was thinking. So I followed him in the kitchen. He emptied three cans of beans into a pot for soup, and they were just plain beans. I thought, that doesn't look very good. He opened the oven to show me the chicken, and it was just a plain chicken. Fortunately, they had some cheese and crackers laying out, so I went over there and loaded up on that. He continued to pre- prepare, you know, the soup. 10 minutes later, he called me over and said, Dad, look at these mushrooms. Grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they, they, it looked like black fungus, is what they look, this is what they were. Black trumpets is what they're called, I found out later. And he was gonna prepare a sauce for these black trumpets and mix it with the dark meat from the chicken and use it as a side. So I went back to cheese and crackers. <laughs> Thought, man, this is, this is a loss. Finally, he said the soup was ready, so we all sat down. Dave brought over some Italian bread that was covered in goat cheese, also not normal. Why goat cheese? And he said, the best way to eat this is dip it in the soup, take a bite. Just to be courteous. I dipped it in the soup, took a bite. It was unbelievable. It was on an explosion of tastes in my mouth I've never experienced. I've had maybe three really fine meals in my life. This first bite was euphoric. It sent me into—I was unbelie—I was in a different zone. Then the chicken—he put a dressing-type thing under the skin. It made it it was so good. I just inhaled the chicken. But the black fungus, (laughs) mixed with dark meat, was one of the best things I have ever had. I looked at my wife. I said, "Our food is so bland. What have we been missing for 60 years?" But that wasn't the best part. (sighs) Here was my 29-year-old son and his wife, millennials, sitting across the table from my wife and me, expecting their first child in June. Just a few years ago, he was a little blonde-haired, curly little boy, curly-headed little boy. Then he was a teenager who pushed the limits There were curfews and girlfriends and arguments and slam doors at times. Then off to college he went. Then Virginia Law School. And we wondered at times what kind of a man our son would become. So we were sitting around their table for my 60th birthday, and David said, he said, let's pray. He started in on one of the most sincere One of the most tender prayers my ears have ever heard. I listened to my son pray for me. He thanked God that I was a man worthy of his respect. He thanked God that I was a person he was willing to follow. He thanked God for our families. And for Sarah's family, and his prayer came from such a deep faith inside him that he began choking up. And by the end of it, my wife and I were both wiping away the tears, and I thought, there's nothing better on the planet when your children pray for you and thank God for your life. That little family of four sitting around the table who love God and love each other so deeply is what every family wants. It's what God had in mind when he designed the family. How do you put a value on that? I am so blessed. I'm so blessed, but here's here's what I want all of you to know. The four of us sitting around that little table is in large part because of this church. Some of you are thinking, ah, he's the son of a preacher. Of course he turned out. Hey, I'm telling you, we have all the same issues you do, all the same ones. In fact, there's a lot of preachers, kids who don't turn out because of that. So we were sitting around that table, and from the time he was born, David was in church with us, surrounded by other great men and women of faith, surrounded by people, I intentionally, we intentionally did this, who believed in God as well, who followed Christ, lived out their faith, loved their families, and stood for truth. I wanted my son and daughter to be around people like that. And this church has been at the center of his and his sister's life for 26 years. Gang, every week, He's inspired by thousands of people who worship the same Jesus he worships, who's taught by gifted teachers and led by trusted leaders. He and his wife, Sarah, love this church. They never miss a weekend. They serve. They give 10% of their income right away. Their best friends are in this church. And by the way, they also had some really great teachers and coaches when they went through high school here. And I just want to say thank you to those of you Who are teachers and counselors, administrators, and and coaches, and especially in the public school systems, you're leading the way. And I I just I'm just so proud of you. Those of you who are believers and rolling up your sleeves and really teaching in a tough environment. Way to go. But take this church away. Take this body of Christ out of my son's life, and who knows where he would be today. Telling you or his marriage, or his family, or his future. I'm telling you, the reason Jesus established the church is because nothing else has the power to build a family, to protect a marriage, to prevent a teenage kid or 20-something from losing their way. It's a power like any other power on the planet. So again, those of you who are here today, way to go. But we want to end by showing you what this church is doing in the city in our state and around the globe watch this then i'll come up and close quick
1: you are here with a bunch of other people together we're the body of christ the church we exist to reach others for christ locally nationally and around the globe with god's power eagle brook is doing big things maybe things you didn't even know about. In Ethiopia, Eaglebrook has been working with the Burhana Wangale Church to build a Bible school and seminary, training pastors to lead the 30,000 people who attend their network churches. In the past year alone, 2,300 people have put their faith in Christ. In Mozambique, Eaglebrook attenders have come together to sponsor 2,800 kids in the Mujiba region through World Vision. Additional funds are sent annually to help provide education, clean water, and support for child protection programs. In Nicaragua, our partner is Orphan Network. Working with 200 local churches in Managua and Metagalpa, Orphan Network is helping lead young people to faith in Christ, providing nourishing food, teaching practical skills, helping students graduate high school, and find full-time jobs. In 2015 alone, almost 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. We've been coming alongside local leaders to help meet their needs, both physically and spiritually. Eagle Brook provided resources to build two large churches and continue to work with Healing Haiti to bring clean water, jobs, education, and medical care where it's needed most. In Ukraine, We partner with local churches who are already reaching their communities. We've brought some of the brightest young leaders to Eaglebrook and offered them training and mentorship, and they're seeing continued growth. Norway is a prosperous but spiritually dry place. We've developed a great relationship with Norwegian leaders who are passionate about reaching their nation for Christ. A new ministry for young adults called Touchpoint has launched in five different cities and we're constantly developing more people for leadership. In 2006, the Eaglebrook Association was formed to help churches around the country and the world reach more people for Christ. The EBA provides two-year training programs for churches and leaders free of charge. Since its inception, nearly 40,000 people have accepted Christ through these partner churches. And here at home, each Eaglebrook location has partnered with local organizations to help their own neighbors and communities. Organizations like Safe Families for Children, YMCA Host Homes, Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility, The Dwelling Place, Good in the Hood, and local elementary schools all benefit from our volunteer hours and financial support. We also contribute to other like-minded ministries, including Feed My Starving Children, Urban Ventures, and bridging. So when you give to our church financially, you're extending your reach far beyond our walls. You see, it's never been about big buildings and big weekends. It's about doing anything we can to reach people for Christ. That's why Eagle Brook Church and you are here. Don't you love the church?
0: Yeah, way to go. That's, that's you guys. That's what we are doing together as the body of Christ. I just, I can't get over it. So if you're at one of our campuses today or you're watching online and you sometimes say to yourself, you know, I do believe in God, but I really don't need the church, I just, I just want to ask a couple more questions of you. You know, one, where are you getting challenged and inspired to grow in your faith? If you have kids, where are they picking up their values? Where do they get their sense of direction and morality? Where's your blue shirt? If you say, you know, I don't need the church, where's your blue shirt? Who's going to help you through the hard patches in life? And finally, what are you a part of? If you're not a part of the church, what are you a part of that's making an eternal difference in the world like you just saw? Um, If you really believe in God, honestly, if you really believe in God, one of the signs is that you will be a part of the thing that God loves the most, which is his church. And again, those of you who are here, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but every once in a while. Um, By the way, we love online. We love online church. We invested a lot of resources in this. But the problem with online is you can watch on a computer And sometimes you have to do that because you can't be in a church setting. But if you don't get connected to a church, you're going to miss this sense of belonging and being a part of the body of Christ. And so don't stay there. Don't make that your main meal. Get a part of a local church. Hebrews 10.25 says it this way, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage, look at that word, The word courage is there. It means to inject courage. Anybody here need more courage? Boy, I do. We never miss church because I need the encouragement of the body of Christ that's gathered together at least once a week. We never miss. And if you make that same commitment, gang, I'm telling you, you might not see a difference right away. But eventually, God is going to show up in your life and in your family, and you're going to see that he is going to start to bless you and protect you and make you strong because you're a part of the body of Christ called the church. Now I promise one final word. At Easter, we showed you a video of a guy, Scott Ranky, And many of you have been asking about Scott. And he was in his final days, as we showed you that video. He, he passed on uh, this past week. And what I want to tell you is that Scott loved this church. He found his faith in this church. He was ready to go. His family is a part of this church And I just want to thank all of you for being there, for Scott and his family. You loved him and them. And it meant so much. And now, one day, we'll get to see him again when it's our day. What a great reunion that's going to be for all of us who know him. At all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer. Be on our way. God, we stand here before you. We're all very busy people. And life doesn't slow down. We can barely hang on sometimes. And so, God, some of us need to really look at our priorities and and how we're living this life. And, God, I just pray that you'll just, again, remind us today keeping you first in our life is the most important thing. and and being a part of the body of church at least once a week where we can hear from you and be inspired by you and be encouraged and led by other people around us, blue shirts. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for giving us people um, who will pray for us, support us, and help us through this, this challenging world. We need you and we need each other. Thank you, Father, in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for coming out.